A neighbours fan. Well, if you are, you know that this week, Neighbours had its 20th anniversary. And after 20 years of Neighbours, there are still 120 million people who hear those same words every day. Neighbours. Everybody needs good neighbours. Just a friendly wave each morning helps to make a better day. Now, if you haven't seen it, as I'm sure you've guessed already, you really haven't missed anything. But, but let me tell you what Neighbours is all about. It's all about a group of families living in Ramsey Street. The Robinsons, the Kennedys, the Bishops, the Hoylands, and so on. Now, just to clarify, I don't watch Neighbours, okay? I've been told all this. But here's what Neighbours does give us. It gives an insight into the diversity of 21st century family life. For example, on this programme we see, we see changing work patterns. Few jobs now are for life. So, do you move for mum's job or for dad's job? And we see changing lifestyles. We now have microwave meals, videos and computers. And it means we spend less time together as a family. And we see changes in personal development. Children mature faster now. And most teenagers have to deal with sexual issues that most adults only faced in previous generations. And it reminds us of this. Family life is not always easy. Would you agree? Making a family work is hard. Let me give you some facts which highlight this, especially for Andy. He likes statistics. Today in Britain, by the time children reach the age of 16, one in four of them will have experienced the divorce of their parents. Secondly, four out of ten children are now born outside of marriage. And third, people living on their own now represent more than a quarter of all households. And the figures are rising. And so here's what that tells us. Today's family is taking direct hits. And so the question we want to think about is this. What does God expect in family living? Well, here's the good news. The good news is the Bible is positive about families. The family was God's idea. And back in the 15th century BC, God gave us a command. And it tells us what God expects in family living. Now we find this in the Bible, in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, and it's page number 78 of the Pew Bibles. And it's the fifth of the Ten Commandments. And here's what it says. Verse 12. Honour your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. Last year, I read a book written by Derek Prime, a former pastor of Charlotte Chapel. It's called On Being a Pastor. And here's what Derek Prime writes to pastors, and it really applies to all of us. He says this. The proof of godliness 
is our godliness in the home. This may seem an extremely high standard, and it is. But the home is the most strategic sphere of witness, because it is there that we demonstrate how genuinely we do what we tell others to do. And he concludes, Nothing is more important in human relationships than the family. Now, there are four things to observe here about living in a family. I'm going to try and make it as practical as possible. But firstly, we have to get our focus right. And so it begins by recognizing God's supremacy. And there are two things to see here. Firstly, the foundation of family life. Now, several years ago, I was on holiday in Tuscany in Italy. And it's where one goes to enjoy culture. And one place you really must visit, if you ever go there, is Pisa. Now you'll know. What is the famous site you'll see in Pisa? It's the Leaning Tower. And it moves one twentieth of an inch every year. And the reason is, its foundation is only ten feet deep. And now here's the point. God's objective in giving us the Ten Commandments in their particular order is so our foundation would be strong. And if you look down, there's something important to grasp here. And it's to do with the structure of the commandments. Now notice, the first four sum up our duty towards God. The remaining six sum up our duty toward others. And if you recall, what did Jesus say when he he was once asked, of all the commandments... Which is the most important? Mark chapter 12. Well, he said this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Now, this encapsulated the first group, commandments 1 to 4. And he continues. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this encapsulated the second group, commandments 5 to 10. Now catch this. Here is an amazing dynamic. The deeper our love for God, our vertical relationship, the greater our capacity to love others, our horizontal relationships. C.S. Lewis makes this point in his typically insightful way. And he says this. When I have learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. And so far as I learn to love my earthly dearest at the expense of God, and instead of God, I shall be moving toward the state state in which I shall not love my earthly dearest at all. When first things are put first, second things are not suppressed. Listen, but increased. As St. Augustine famously said, love God and do what you want. In other words, when you love God, everything else follows that. And now secondly, consider the origin of family life. And it's here we go back to where it all began. Genesis chapter 1, the first book of the Bible. So if you turn to Genesis chapter 1 for a moment, here's what you find. Genesis chapter 1, you discover that the family 
is an integral part of being human. If you look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, it says this. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the, of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, God's design in the beginning was Adam and Eve, a man and a woman, given the gift of producing children. But notice, here's what the fifth commandment reminds us. This is not just something biological, but it's something relational between a father and a mother and their children. J. John comments helpfully. God has made us and shaped us for relationships with each other and with him. Families are the God-designed structures where we can grow and learn to understand ourselves and to relate to others. And so that's our focus. Living in a family, it begins by recognizing God's supremacy. And secondly, it involves reflecting God's example. Last week, Britain's most famous naval hero was remembered. Does anyone know who that was? Lord Nelson, the Battle of Trafalgar. He is every sailor's inspiration. And we all have people we look up to. For example, in sport, to play golf like Tiger Woods. Imagine. Anyway, he looks different. In cooking, to make a cake like Jack Welsh, not like Delia Smith. In business, to succeed like Jack Welsh. And even in music, to sing like Pavarotti, if only. Well, for a parent, their ultimate example is our Heavenly Father, God. Why? Because God is the perfect Father. He is the ultimate parent. In his book, And Then There Were Nine, David Serrell writes this. The model for every parent is the heavenly parent whose loving kindness and faithful care is never compromised by his standards of holiness and truth. God loves us without ever indulging us on the one hand and he disciplines us without ever casting us off on the other hand. His word is completely reliable. He always says what he means and means what he says. We know we can depend on him utterly. And now, we're going to think about how a parent can apply this. Now, if you are a parent, this is not to give you a guilt trip, okay? But there are three practical things I want us to see here. And number one, spend time. Now, life is full of busyness, isn't it? There are deadlines to meet, meetings to attend, washing that needs ironed, shopping that needs bought, walls that need painted, and shelves that need put up. 
and you were having a good day up till now. But it's a reality. Our work and lifestyles demand more and more of our time. And what is the result? Well, the result is we are made frantic keeping all the plates spinning in the air. And it shows. Here are some facts. On average, a father spends 38 seconds a day talking face-to-face with his children. And the average household only sits down to eat together around a table once every week. Now, listen to this. According to a study of more than 500 family counsellors, here is one of the top profiles of a strong family. Okay? In all areas of their lives, meals, work and recreation, they structure their schedules to spend time together. Let me quote you from Rob Parsons. He says this. God only allows us so many opportunities with our children to read a story, go fishing, play catch, and say our prayers together. Try not to miss one of them. The office can wait. It will still be there after the children are gone. So number one, spend time. Number two, discipline. Now, I wonder, what is the very first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word discipline? Well, it could be a very strict sergeant major with a big stick and a big clipboard and a big moustache and he comes right up to you and he shouts, Richard, look at the state of your shoes. Give me 50 press-ups. Remember that? A negative picture. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about discipline and it's positive. Discipline, used in the right way, is essential. Proverbs chapter 13 says this. He who spares a rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. And we can think of discipline in two ways. One is the discipline of correction. And the other is the discipline of training in life. As Hebrews chapter 12 says, Our fathers disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And finally, number three, affirm. Now imagine this. Your son plays for a football team. And he comes home one day, and he's not very happy. And he tells you that his football team has just lost 13-0. Now let me say, it obviously wasn't a Charlotte sports football team. Amen, Barry? Maybe he played for Scotland. So the question is, how would you respond to that? Do you say, that is rubbish? Or do you say, well, at least it wasn't 14-0. Now get along to Charlotte Sports. Affirmation. Colossians chapter 3 says this. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. And so living in a family, it means, number one, recognizing God's supremacy. Number two, Reflecting God's example. And thirdly, it means respecting God's design. 
Now, one of my ambitions for 2006 is to learn to cook. It's actually been my ambition for the past 10 years. And now, if you come to my house, there are two things that I could make you. Tuna and pasta and roasted cheese. That's just cheese on toast. Well, I remember the first time that I made tuna and pasta. Here's what I did. I went to the shop and I bought some pasta. I put the pasta in a plastic bowl. Next, I put the bowl in the microwave and I, and I keyed in eight minutes. Then I went upstairs. But there was one thing I really should have done. And it seems quite obvious now. I should have read the instructions. And I would have found that you're supposed to add water. I know, what a shame for Alison. You see, pasta isn't designed to be made without water. And I ignored that instruction at my peril. Now, when we come to the fifth commandment, we find this. The family has a God-given design. Children are to honour their parents. And again, we're going to look at three different words here. Number one is honour. Now, if you recall, when Moses repeats this commandment in his farewell speech, the wording is slightly different. He says this, Honour your father and your mother, as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long, and that it may go, and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 16. But the thrust is the same. And the key word, as you know, is honour. The Hebrew word relates to the concept of weight, of being heavy. In his book, Pattern for Life, Norman Shields comments that the word kabad, Hebrew, emphasises that the one honoured is accorded considerable personal dignity and given the appropriate measure of respect. Listen to this. And here's what happens. When we do that, we exemplify the character of God. You see, the word which most describes what God is like is the word holy. And so Leviticus chapter 19, the Lord tells Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And now notice, the very next verse tells us how we can show what a holy God is like. Listen to this. Each of you must respect his mother and father. And the, promise, and the promise is, as follows, it will lead to a strong nation. Alistair Begg writes in Pathway to Freedom, the fifth commandment establishes the fact that our parents are by God's design to be revered and that the honour we give them is to be a reflection of the honour we ought to give to God, our Heavenly Father. And you remember, we see that supremely in the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Gospel of Luke, we find this. Then he went down to Nazareth with them, that's his parents, and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Okay, now here's what this does not mean. God is not asking us to pretend that our parents are perfect when they are not, or that they are always right. The point is this. We are to honour our parents 
despite their faults and failings. And there's one final thing. The New Testament qualifies our obedience in this way. If there's ever a conflict, then we must obey God rather than men. And now secondly, care. A few months ago, I finished the last degree I will ever do in my entire life. D-mob happy. And so we went to St. Andrews for the graduation. And there is one thing I still remember quite clearly about that graduation ceremony. And it wasn't a long speech, wonderful though it was. It was a lady who had just finished her degree. And get this, she was over 80. So listen, you're never too old. And it brought home to me, we live in an aging population. And we honour our elderly parents by caring for them. 1 Timothy chapter 5. And you know, it could be something very simple. Sending a card on Mother's Day, writing a letter, making a regular phone call, dropping by to see them on the way somewhere. And you know what I found? When you visit elderly people, you usually get very well looked after. You do. And listen, it can make all the difference in family relationships. And now thirdly, forgive. Last week, a survey was taken of the, of the rudest people in Britain to see who needs forgiven the most. And one of the cities in the research was, was Edinburgh. And here's what happened. Shop assistants were checked to see if they said please and thank you. Passers-by were assessed to see if they would help someone who dropped their shopping. And drivers were observed in rush hour traffic. Now, here's the good news. Edinburgh came seventh top. But here's the bad news. There were only eight cities. <laughs> now listen, even in the best of families, we need large doses of forgiveness. And if you recall, some of the most significant teaching on families is found in Ephesians chapters 5 and 6. And if you remember, just before Paul begins, he writes this. Be filled with the Spirit. You see, it's through the Holy Spirit that healing and forgiveness is brought to our lives and families. So that's the third thing to notice. Living in a family, it means respecting God's design. And finally, and briefly, it means receiving God's offer. Now tonight, in this church, we're having a baptism service, as you can see below me. And here's what's going to happen. Four people are going to declare that they have made a choice. They have become a member of God's family. And that is an offer that is made to everyone. So here's the question. How do I receive it? Well, the Bible is very clear. It says this. Yet to all who received him, that is Jesus, God's son, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And listen, because of the obedience of Jesus to his heavenly father in going to the cross, and because they have each put their faith in Jesus, they can sing these words about God this morning. You're the father to the fatherless, the answer to my dreams. I see you crowned in righteousness. We cry glory to the king. You know, I wonder if you can call God your father 
this morning. The most amazing news I know is this. You can. Remember these words. Yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so in conclusion, this morning we've looked at what it means to live in a family. It means recognizing God's supremacy. It means reflecting God's example. It means respecting God's design. And it means receiving God's offer. We started by thinking about neighbors. This year, it celebrates its 20th anniversary. But here is the offer from God. God invites you to a family that will last forever. In the book of Revelation, the apostle John has a vision of heaven. Now listen to this as we close. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. My question to you is simply this. Will you be in that family? Let us pray. Almighty God, our loving Heavenly Father, this morning we joyfully acknowledge again who you are. You are the one true and living God. You are our creator. And in your amazing grace, you invite us into your family. Lord, thank you that you have made us to be in relationship. And thank you for the example you give in how to relate in a family. Help us, we ask, to obey the fifth commandment, to honor our father and our mother. And may you bless our families. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen.